With faith, you can move mountains. Pastor Xavier Reese says, just don't forget the faith. God made Moses his prophet and deliverer. Therefore, and I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh? It's not who you are. You're nobody. It's who I am. <laughs> Wrong focus. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. So I have come down to rescue them from the land of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey. This would be welcome news for the Israelite people held captive for over 300 years. And beginning with God's call on Moses and the will of God to confront Pharaoh, the promise of the promised land would become a reality. Let's join Pastor Xavier continuing our series in the book of Exodus with a simple truth study titled, The Call of Moses, drawn from chapter 3. In verse 7 and 8, God revealed to Moses his full awareness of the horrible condition of his people. In verse 7, God had seen all the years of their slavery. The Lord said, I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt. The people are claimed as God's property. My people. The Lord said, And I surely have heard their cries because of their taskmasters. Their cry, meaning their outcry of distress, out of injustices. God is omniscient. He knows everything. He knows the deepest pain in your life. He knows the disappointment. And you're to look to Him. He's not ignorant of it. He's very aware of it. The culprits were their taskmasters, those that pressed and drove them in their slave labor. Notice the Lord said, for I know their sorrows. Their sorrows meaning physical and mental pain. God has a phrase, a covenant word for the Old Testament. Loving kindness, the word hesed, steadfast love. For his covenant people. He's very faithful. God had been waiting for 430 years to be fulfilled. Why? Because he holds himself accountable to his own word. And he prophesied it, and he knows the end from the beginning, and he makes no mistakes. Verse 8 tells us that God was going to deliver his people. So I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians. Now it's time. God was going to give them the promised land. Bring them to the land, to a good and large land, a land flowing with milk and honey. God was going to judge godless people of the land. All of them. He names them Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perzites, Hivites, Jebusites, and all these lights. You see, the prophecy, remember, had been given to Abraham in a round figure of 400 years, for the iniquity of the Amorites was not yet come. Genesis 15, 13, and 16. That means that God gave those people he just mentioned, 
430 years to repent. We don't know how, when, or where, but he could not give the land to Israel until these people crossed that line. And once that line came, they had no excuse. They didn't repent. So God was going to judge them through the Israelites by destroying them and giving them their land. It's real simple. Listen, God never judges without warning. You can begin with Adam and Eve, then go to Noah, go to Sodom and Gomorrah, anything you want. He is very, very patient before he brings judgment, but he will bring judgment when people cross the line of not repenting. He alone knows where that line is. I don't. God is not a man that he should lie, not a son of man that he should repent. Has he not said it? Will he not do it? Of course he will. Numbers 22, 19. So, God revealed to Moses here in verse 9 and 10 his will to send him as the deliverer of the people. In verse 9, God made Moses personally aware of the horrible condition of his people again for emphasis. Moses had been gone for 40 years. Out of sight, out of mind. God said, now therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come to me. He cannot ignore it any longer. Moses kind of went away. God was ever present. God said, and I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. He cannot tolerate it any longer. He can't ignore it. He can't tolerate it. Now's the time. The line has been crossed. And so in verse 10, God made Moses his prophet and deliverer of the people. The imperative command was, come now, therefore, and I will send you to Pharaoh. The imperative mission, that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. Eighty years later, the man Moses objected, saying he was not capable for the mission. Moses did not see himself as a man of great authority. Listen to his words. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh? It's not who you are. You're nobody. It's who I am. (laughs) Wrong focus. Moses did not see himself as qualified to lead them out also. He says, And that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt. Now the first 40 years, he was ready to go. These last 40 years have brought him down to a lower state. But even though he's down to a lower state, he's still trusting in himself, but he just feels he doesn't have it any longer. So he's not really trusting in God, right? He's still looking to himself. He's in a better position, but he's still looking to himself. And so in verse 12, God assured Moses that he wasn't capable for the commission. (laughs) Most people label this that God says, I'll be with you. And though it says that, but actually what God is doing is saying, amen, you're not capable. That's good. God was going to do it through Moses. So he said, I will certainly be with you. God would prove it to Moses by bringing them to the mountain, Mount Horeb there. And this shall be a sign to you that I have sent you. This is a sign to Moses. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God in this mountain. Moses, right here I'm talking to you. I'm telling you the end from the beginning. You're going to be in this mountain with all the people. Now, I know you're not supposed to read the last chapter of the book because you ruined the whole story. But God tells you the end from the beginning. Genesis 3.15 tells you 
the, the seed of the woman prevails. He tells them here, you're going to end up here. Now, he doesn't tell them the process. If he told them the process in detail, he'd freak out. God says, you're going to be in heaven. But he doesn't tell you the process. If he shows you the process, you might run the other way. See, we like the product, but we don't like the process. Count the personal eyes. Personal pronoun. God alone will do it. I, I, I. The key to being effective for God is not that it is God who has called you to see what you want to do. It's that God calls you for his purposes. Isaiah the prophet, you remember, in Isaiah chapter 6, verse um, 8, Isaiah says, Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And whom will go for us? And then I said, Here I am. Send me. So God is looking who will respond. Who will make themselves available? Having the right perspective that he's holy. You're set apart. And you're willing to take orders from what God wants in your life. You understand? The call of Moses revealed his commission. And notice thirdly, from 13 to 22, we have the confirmation of his call. In verses 13 through 15, the problem of disbelief by the children of Israel as being sent by God was another objection that made Moses reluctant to go to Egypt. In verse 13, Moses perhaps had his first failed attempt in mind here. (laughs) It's been 40 years, but he remembers. Moses said to God, Indeed, when I come to the children of Israel and say to them, The God of your father has sent me to you, and they say to you, What's his name? As if God would have said, I didn't think about that. Um, Let me see. What shall I say to them, he says. God said to Moses, listen carefully, I am who I am. The word, the phrase there in the Hebrew is the singular verb. It means to be, to happen. It means continuing unfinished action. I am being that I am being active presence. I'm the existing one. I'm the eternal one. I will be that I will be expressing a perfect, unconditional, and independent existence to meet their seeming impossible situation for the present. The context verifies the meaning. God would be sufficient for the inadequacies of Moses and the questions and doubts of the children of Israel. He's telling this before he goes, He's telling what's going to happen before it happens. So when it happens, his confidence is in God. You understand? I will be whatever you want me and allow me to be, literally saying, I am your all in all in a personal relationship. If you let God be your wisdom, he'll never disappoint you. You let him be your guide, he won't lead you to dead ends. If you let him be your strength, it'll be amazing what you can do and what you can go through. But that's a personal choice, ladies and gentlemen. Everything around our world, and even in the Christian world today, points you to man. 
not to God. God said, thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am has sent me to you. I am. He, notice, who exists and will be all you need in the present is the one who sent me. The existing one. The Alpha, the Omega. The beginning and the end. There's no problem to great for God. There's no, there's no problem for God. <laughs> we seem to carry the difficulty of our ability to solve or understand over to God. And since I can't understand certain things, I don't know how it's going to happen. I, well, God's really got a big problem now. No, I've got a problem. God has no problems. Only solutions. The key is, am I willing to go with God's solutions? So often I think I have to give him advice how to take care of this problem. Or I'm praying, telling God how he should answer. And God has another thing in mind. And so I never see the answer of God because I'm looking for it in a different form. Moses personally was to declare to them that their covenant God had sent them. The God of the patriarchs, listen. Moreover, he said to Moses, Thus you shall say to the children of Israel, The Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and Jacob has sent me. The word Lord, they're all capital letters, Yahweh, is what is called the tetragrammaton, the four consonants, Y-H-W-H. No vowels were written. It's believed to be pronounced Yahweh. You can't pronounce that word. Try to, uh, Y-H-W-H, try to pronounce it. That's about it. You can't pronounce it's, it's unpronounceable because God's name was so holy they wouldn't pronounce it. The word is based on the same verb to be the phrase I am who I am. The God of all generations of the Jews after the patriarch notice this is my name forever and this is my memorial to all generations. This being God's name forever revealing his person. His character, his authority, his power, all he was, his reputation. Now, notice the name was also a memorial to all generations. His acts, his mighty deeds, through all generations. They had the scriptures. They had God's record. They had to make a decision. Do I trust this God or do I not trust this God? Is he trustworthy? In our elections, we have a problem with integrity. <laughs> a guy rip you off for buying a car, you're going to go back and buy a second one from him? Reputation, character is a dirty word today. Let's not make judgments. We better make judgments. Next time somebody tells you that, ask them, okay, you know what? Just ignore the traffic laws. Don't make judgments. Just drive. Don't, don't pay attention to red, green, or yellow. Nothing. Just drive the way you want. See how far you get. Notice verse 16 through 19. The plan of God was sketched out for Moses to have confidence and assurance to go to Egypt. In verse 16, Moses was first to go directly to the elders. Go and gather the elders of Israel together. And say to them, the Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, appeared to me. This repetition is not to bore you. It's for emphasis. Saying, I have 
surely visited you and seen what is done to you in Egypt. And Moses then in verse 17 was to tell them the promise of God to deliver them and deliver the land to them. Ladies and gentlemen, the land and the people go together. The Jews own the land. God gave it to them. It's through Isaac, not through Ishmael. There has never been a Palestinian nation, a Palestinian people, a Palestinian country in history. It's a modern-day phenomenon. Moses was to tell them the promise of God to deliver them and the deliverance of the land to them. God will deliver them. I have said I will bring you up out of the affliction of Egypt. God would place them in that land. And again, he specifies Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Persites, Hivites, Jebusites. Why? Because the 400 years of time had run, they had not repented. They had polluted themselves. And the thing that people don't understand when he says don't let male, female, or child live. Why? Because they were so perverse, so corrupt, that if you left one, they would again contaminate. You look to our nation. You look to our world. And you see the vileness of young ladies and young children that are so corrupted by our society through an amoral society, non-judgmental, no objective truth, the vileness of the obsession with sexuality and everything. What's the next generation of God tarries? Amazing. God would bless them, notice, in the land, to a land flowing with milk and honey. And then in verse 18 and 19, Moses was to see the plan unfold. He's telling this so that when he gets there and he sees it happen, it gets greater assurance in God and confidence, not in him. As he says, giving them greater confidence here, notice, the people would obey Moses. Then they will heed your voice. The leaders and Moses would have an audience with Pharaoh next. You shall come and the elders of Israel to the king of Egypt. So he's unfolding the plan. He's to follow what God is directing him. This is the hardest thing in life for you and I to obey God in the plan that he has for me. In the word of God, what it says. If I deviate from God's word and I bring consequence to my life, why do I blame God? If I spend more money than I make and I I go bankrupt, why do I blame God? Why would God do this? He didn't do it. If I marry a non-believer and they commit adultery or leave me, why do I blame God? I did that. I disobeyed. I shouldn't have been unequally yoked. Don't blame God. You take hold of your life then you're responsible for your life. You give your life to him, then he's responsible for your life. The prophet Moses was to deliver the Pharaoh message, and you shall say to him, the Lord God of the Hebrews has met with us, and now please let us go three days' journey into the wilderness that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God. But he tells them what's going to happen. Pharaoh would refuse to let them go. But I'm sure that the king of Egypt will not let you go. No, not even by a mighty hand. Oh, bummer. But he's telling them, so when these things happen, the confidence in God. 
If he's telling me things before they happen, so when they happen, then I know he's in control, right? Look at 20 and 22. The promise of God was to judge and spoil the Egyptians. He gives them the end from the beginning to give them hope. God would bring judgment on Egypt. Verse 20. It would be God's own hand. So I will stretch out my hand and strike Egypt with all its, my wonders, which I will do in its midst. And we're going to look at them one at a time as we go through it. It will result in their freedom. And after that, he will let you go. In verse 21, God would bring the people out wealthy. He's not only going to deliver them, but he's going to bring them out wealthy. Verse 21, the Egyptians would voluntarily give their material wealth. And I will give this people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. You see, the Israelis would leave financially compensated. This is not robbing the Egyptians. They had been slaves. They hadn't been paid. These are back wages, ladies and gentlemen. And it shall be when you go that you shall not go empty-handed. Back wages. In verse 22, God would have the women collect the wealth. (laughs) Interesting. The place was to be right where they live. But every woman shall ask of her neighbor, namely, of her who dwells near her house. The particular items would be articles of silver, gold, and clothing. The people to enjoy them, you shall put them on your sons and your daughters. That's great. The purpose, don't miss it. So you shall plunder the Egyptians. God told Abraham back in Genesis 15, 14, that he would judge the nation and then bring them out with great possessions. He's going to fulfill it. In 2 Chronicles 15, 1 and 2, listen. Now the Spirit of the Lord came to Azariah, came upon Azariah, the son of Obed, and he went out to meet Asa, King Asa, and said to him, Hear me, Asa, and all Judah and Benjamin, the Lord is with you while you are with him. If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he'll forsake you. Real simple. As long as you think you're strong, there's a danger that you won't depend on the Lord. As long as you depend on the Lord, he'll do all he can for you. But when you think that you can misrepresent God and you can do your own thing, then he says he will not be with you. Pretty heavy. Listen to Hebrews 13, 5. Let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. We're the ones that leave him. He doesn't leave us. The question is, are you walking with God? Are you trusting him? Are you abiding in him? Are you allowing him to do the work that only he can do? In your marriage, to raise your children, whether you're buying a house, charging a credit card, whatever it is, the call of Moses revealed his confirmation. And so here you have the call of Moses reveals, revealing three things the consecration at his call, the commission of his call and the confirmation of his call. It's time. The stage is set. 
is going to bring the children of Israel through a man that had to wait 80 years. Pastor Xavier Reese, wrapping up a simple truth study of Exodus chapter 3, illustrating how the work of God begins with the willing but faithful heart of those who serve Him. Now, just before we close, let me mention that copies of today's study titled The Call of Moses are available on CD for just $4. And this will also include everything Pastor Xavier shared the last time we were together as well. So once again, the title to ask for is simply The Call of Moses, or just mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. And then join us for more Simple Truths next time with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California www.calvarychapelpasadena.com